0: Yo, yo, welcome back to the one and only Minnesota Sports Podcast, the number one. I'm your host, Ray, and joined again by Sam Wetzel. What up, what up? Yo, yo. This time, we are going to be talking about the Vikings offseason and the Minnesota Timberwolves playoff push. With the draft less than a month away, how are the Vikes looking? Let's start with the free agency since our last podcast episode. The Vikings have re-signed CJ Ham to a two-year extension and restructured Harrison Smith To keep him on the team and take less cap room for the much needed 2023 season, that's just fighting to not drown in that cap space so far. On March 21st, Jonathan Bullard was also re signed on a one year, $1.3 million deal. Mm -hmm. Troy Reader, who has been on a couple teams was signed for one year, $1.075 million. And the biggest name from the free agents, Brandon Powell, who I heard from the Rams last season, signed one year, $1.23 million. What do you think about the re-signings and the free agents that we've acquired from what I've
1: told you so far, Sam? I'm really glad we were able to restructure Smith. Um, it's been hard seeing our, a lot of core Vikings players leave Kendrick's feeling this year. And I, I would have been right. heartbroken if we had lost uh Hitman Harry. He's been so good for us over the years. He should go to the hall of fame in my opinion. So I'm glad he's able to stay with the team and I hope he retires a Viking. Yep. I agree. Um, in terms of the free agents we signed, uh, the one that intrigues me the most might be Brandon Powell. Um, going into the off-season, uh, one of the biggest needs for the Vikings was a deep threat at wide receiver. Uh, we don't really have any speed to take the top off the defense to help Jefferson get more open. So, sounds like Powell might be able to do that. Uh, um, I was hoping we'd sign someone like uh, DJ Chark, who's more of a speedy deep threat and more of an established player. But Powell's yeah. got a history with Kevin O'Connell being on the Rams uh, over the, the past few years. So um, he, he might be able to pan out as a deep threat. Yep.
0: I hope Brandon Powell – I saw him play in the late games of last year when uh, the running back – what was his name? The The Rams running back? Uh, Cam Akers? Yeah, Cam Akers, when he was going off, Brandon Powell and Baker Mayfield had a good connection. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, more so on the fact, the free agent losses that we had continued, not just Eric Kendricks and Thielen, but the Vikings just lost Irv Smith and Duke Shelley officially, Irv Smith went to the Bengals and Duke Shelley went to the Raiders for, I think, $3 million. Which of those guys is a bigger impact on the
1: team? I'd say Duke Shelley, especially when we're so thin at cornerback to begin with, and he was one of the few players at cornerback who yep. stepped up and performed well throughout the season. Um, of course, when you have... Really bad, a really bad secondary. Uh, it doesn't take much to look good. So, oh yeah. Uh, I was curious to see if we'd keep him, but I'm not. Um, I'm not sad that he's gone. Uh, same with Irv Smith. He feels like a bust to me. Um, just too many injuries over the years, and uh, had chances to make plays when he got in and failed to make them. So yeah, I'm not too sad that he's gone. Yeah, I,
0: I can agree with that, especially because Irv Smith has, you know, we had all the high hopes going into twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two season. Uh I forgot who had the the prediction, but Irv Smith was a focal point in somebody's uh twenty twenty two season outlook. And I think it was you, Ray. Probably me. Probably me. One of the things I did get wrong. But (laughs) with TJ Hawkinson, I think it, it makes it makes that loss so much easier to handle because rather than having hope for somebody to stay healthy, you get TJ Hawkinson and, you know, you lose a second round pick, but you get an all pro tight end. And to get that guy from the same division, that is a blessing in itself. I want to talk about Kirk Cousins wanting an extension with the Vikings, but the Vikings declining that and say, let's ride with the contract you got. What do you think about about that scenario that
1: just happened? Well, as uh, you and listeners of this podcast may know, I'm a pretty big Kirk fan. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. For sure. But he's also he's getting old. He's aged 35 I think going into this season. I think he turns 36 during the season. So a long-term extension doesn't really make sense in terms of just age. Now we've seen quarterbacks more recently, you know, play into their 40s. Uh, you know, Tom Brady played well into his 40s and was a really good starter. Aaron Rodgers is about to turn 40. I'd say the jury's out on if he's going to be good in his 40s or if he even plays after the season. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of quarterbacks that are still good at age 37, 38, 39. So um, maybe Kirk is one of those guys, but maybe he's not. And maybe the cap situation in three years is just too much to hang on to him. So I'm okay with not extending him and just seeing how this year goes and if he continues to produce. Then we can revisit, you know, an extension next season. And if he has a down year, then it might be an excuse to uh, buy fully into the rebuild.
0: See, I don't think it's a rebuild year, but you went perfectly into the next, the next subject, which is I, I can go either way, but I want to go with the should the Vikings trade for Lamar. He obviously doesn't want to be in Baltimore. He stated that he requested a trade on March 2nd. Should the Vikings trade and go all in with Lamar?
1: My gut answer was no. He he is a great player, but uh, just I think a minimum trade would be two first-round picks for him, and we don't have a lot of draft capitalism right now. Yep. Plus, our problems with the team aren't really offense-related. Our problems are defense. Yeah. So, um, you know, Lamar is maybe an upgrade over Kirk, um, especially for his running ability, but I think his passing ability is not as good as Kirk's. Um, And our offense put up really good numbers this year, so I don't really think he would elevate the team that much.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I am a big Kirk Cousins fans myself. I have been defending Kirk Cousins since this podcast has started because not only has he brought the Viking success, but he's put up the numbers and it really showed last year that it wasn't Kirk Cousins as the problem. It was the defense last year. And I think with Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator, I think the Vikings are going to be a lot better this year defensive wise. But the players that Flores has to coach is not the caliber of the 2022 Vikings. So it leads me into the next question. What are your expectations for
1: the upcoming season of the Vikings? It's a great question. Um, It's hard for our defense to be as bad as it was last year, I think. For sure. We should see at least some improvement on that side of the ball. However, we, you know, everyone knows we won 11 one-score games last season. Yep. So... A lot of people thought we were frauds and they may be justified with our first round exit. Which I will add that Kirk Cousins yes, he threw short of the sticks on the last play of the game. But, he was uh, not the guy he was not the problem in that game though. No. He He was not. He played lights out the entire game, but everyone only remembers the last play. Yeah. If our defense would have if we had an average defense, we would have won that game. We just have to yeah. have the worst defense in the NFL. That made Daniel Jones look amazing and got him a one hundred sixty million dollars payday. So, <laughs> hey, I am happy for him though. He got forty five million, but that <laughs> also
0: that puts into the account of what we get with Kirk Cousins. We already know he's not going to be running for more than fifty yards in a game. But he is going to pass the lights out. He is going to get 300-plus yards when you need him, especially in a Kevin O'Connell offense. So ranking him next to the other quarterbacks that got paid in the likes of Daniel Jones and Geno Smith, I am so happy with Kirk Cousins because not only do I think he's better than those two players, but he's getting paid less than those players. Mm-hmm. So with the league in fourth quarter comebacks last year. Exactly. We, he he's, he's got when we needed him. He's got it all that that the Vikings need. I think with the improvement this year, it needs to be from the running backs because Dalvin Cook played great last year. At times, you know, he he made those big plays, but when it came to regular regular plays you know that nobody pays attention to on the the highlights when I was watching the game he was going for negative two or getting to the line of scrimmage and that that doesn't excuse the offensive line but I think it it makes Kirk Cousins job easier when you have a running game that you can lean back on And that's why I wouldn't be surprised to see Dalvin Cook leave this year in a trade on draft night. They just re-signed Alexander Madison. Why would you re-sign a backup running back when you have a star caliber running back in Dalvin Cook? I don't know. I'm just putting a prediction out there. I think he'll be traded for even a third-round pick. You're not going to get much for, for running back. Third round pick mm-hmm. is good for Dalvin Cook. He makes the big plays. And if you put him in a running back by committee, the team could be successful. Mm-hmm. But Dalvin Cook is not a three-down back.
1: Bring up Alexander Madison and uh in games where he, you know, was backing up or came in for an injured Dalvin Cook, he also played like a star. You know, when he gets the carries and gets the majority of, uh, you know, touches, he he can be really good. So I think that's where our, our our team has confidence in him, that he can be a star running back, or a starter running back at least. And I do think Dalvin will be traded, or at least not on the team at For the sure. of this season. For
0: sure. Especially with the cap hit that he has. The Vikings already you know, dr- almost drowning like they're they're in the the state of y- your mouth is just barely getting air and you're <laughs> you're so close to drowning. But yep, like we said, Dalvin Cook, I wouldn't be surprised if really if he leaves and it wouldn't be the biggest hit because they not only have Alexander Madison, but they have in Wong Wu, who is a great returner, but he can be a good running back committee guy. And then you got Ty Chandler who in the preseason, that's all I've seen from him. He makes big plays. If there's a running back by committee, which the league is running towards this year or in the past couple of years, this can be a successful offense. So it would not be a surprise to me. If Dalvin cook is not on the team by the start of the, 2023, preseason even. Yeah, so, well said. I agree with that. Yeah, thank you. Let's uh, move on into from the offseason to playoff push season. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Since we last joined the podcast, the Timberwolves went on Sunday and Monday against the Warriors and the Kings, which is a big feat for the Minnesota Timberwolves. On Sunday, they played against the Warriors, who have been playing well themselves, and were able to win in Golden State in San Francisco, Oracle Arena. Yes, they didn't have Andrew Wiggins, which I hope everything is good with him. I had him on my fantasy team. I'm playing Sam in uh, the fancy basketball championship of our basketball league. But let's go on to the Timberwolves against the Warriors. I watched the second half of the game, just like the Kings, and we'll get more into that. But the leading scorer was Nas Reed. Went 10 for 17 on field goals, 3 for 5 in three-point And he got six rebounds. The clutch scorer of the night, Carl Anthony Towns, our leader, the man who put a whole newspaper article out for Timberwolves fans before the year started. That clutch three was amazing, but he only had 14 points. Five for 16 (laughs) field goals, four for nine, three-pointer. But that one was what we needed. And he had 32 minutes his second game back from the five-month injury layoff. And the do-it-all Kyle Anderson, I told Sam when the week started, he's our Draymond Green, and Sam corrected me, hopefully of the Dynasty Warriors, had 12 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists on 32 minutes. Even with cat on the floor, and an honorable mention of the players, ten points, eighteen rebounds, Rudy Gobert, who also had a technical in that game. Uh, Sam, were you able to watch that game? And if you
1: were, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I was able to watch uh, that. Let's see the end of the second quarter and most of the second half. I mean, I saw the end of the game through clips on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, I've, I'm surprised with how well we played in that game. You know, the Warriors are – they have a championship pedigree. They were playing at home. They have a really good home record. They do. On paper, it seemed like it was going to be a loss. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, I, everyone in our rotation played well. Um, uh, our bench played really well. Nas Reed off the bench was leading the score, like you said yep um and then uh I I think at times we had a kind of a big lineup in there we'd had like Rudy cat and nas on the floor at the same time at points okay and yeah, I think big. that I think that seemed uh to work really well so uh whatever ever since cat has come back we've had really good chemistry and uh everyone's been playing team basketball it seems like the scoring is being spread around um so it's been it was really nice to watch and it gives me hope for the playoffs, which is a dangerous thing to have as a Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think the biggest takeaway from that game was being able to shut down Steph and Clay. And we'll we'll get more into it when we talk about the, the Kings and moving forward, but they went like four for 16 or something like that it was a bad percentage from both the players and when Steph had the game-winning shot on his hands especially you know when the Timberwolves were were letting the Warriors into the game by missing free throws which oh man that that's that's big in itself because I every time I watch the Timberwolves play it's man these guys cannot knock down free throws and it, it it turned over into the kings game, but that was big shutting down the star players and having Draymond Green and Jordan Poole decide the game for them rather than Steph and Clay. So let's go on into the Kings, which was I think even in a bigger win. For the Wolves. First of all, the Kings are third in the conference. And second, they had the... It was, if you win the game, you have an automatic playoff spot. So, they had a playoff clinching game in Sacramento. I watched that game. I watched the second half. And it was a sold-out crowd. And... It was loud in there. It was playoff basketball, just like the Golden State game. But it was an all-around team performance for the Timberwolves. All around, everybody scored. I watched in the second half. There wasn't one person that took over the game. You got Jaden McDaniels with 20 points, Kyle Anderson with 15, Gobert with 16, Conley with 16, Edwards with 17, Nas Reed with 18, Jalen Noel with 14. And then I think the biggest thing that got them to win was having six turnovers for the Timberwolves. And that's not much. There was minimal mistakes. Hearing all that, Sam, what stands out to you? And if you were able to watch the game, what was your breakdown of
1: of that game. The thing that stands out most to me about this win is uh, how the terminals played such good team basketball, which is not only fun to watch as a fan, but I feel like it makes it hard for other teams to beat you. Because, like you mentioned, uh, we had a bunch of guys score double figures. I think we had uh, seven players over 12 points or something like that. Yep. Which... When you have to guard seven different guys instead of Anthony Edwards or Cat, like it makes it a lot easier to be able to score, and uh, you know it keeps everyone in the game, keeps everyone happy and playing together. And we, the other, on the flip side of that, the Kings are the highest scoring offense in the NBA, and we held them to you know, below their average for the year. So not only did we play good offense, but we played good defense as well. And I think that starts with Jaden McDaniels uh, being able to take star players out of the game, which I don't think we've had for a long time. Uh, he's really come on this year as uh, someone that's elevated our defense and, again, provided another facet to the Timberwolves that is hard to combat.
0: Yep. So... For in, in my my perspective of the game, it was granted I only watched from the third quarter, but Jaden McDaniels in the first half he was six for six. And when I started watching, he went 0 for 6. And he was six or twelve at the game. So I was like, man, they're they talking high on him because I was watching the Kings broadcast being in California. I was like, man, they're saying Jane McDaniels is the guy right now, but he's not acting like it. You know, he, he hasn't been making these these buckets. But uh going into it, I think what really made the difference was Anthony Edwards playing not as a leading scorer, but an overall great player. He played 39 minutes, but he had 17 assists, seven assists and five rebounds from that stat line. It's a complete game. Yes. He just came back from injury. So I'll give him the fact that he, he wasn't, he wasn't the number one scorer. (laughs) but to be able to set teammates up like that, it makes a difference because watching the third quarter, I was like, They're just trading buckets against the Kings. And I was waiting for the Kings to, to pull away from the game because there was nobody that was, you know, standing out to, for the Timberwolves. They were all scoring. It was, Mm -hmm. it was Kyle Anderson. It was Gobert on some, it was Conley with his floater. It, It was Nas Reed, even Jordan McLaughlin made a three. And then, uh Nikhil Alexander Walker he didn't score that whole game but he was even him I was like oh man like maybe he's gonna score like you didn't know who was gonna score on the next possession so I think moving into the last week and a half of the season that is what is making this team feel so magical Because you don't know who's going to go off. Like, Cat didn't even play. And they were still able to beat the number three seed Kings in Sacramento. You know, so that's why I'm so excited for the Timberwolves coming up.
1: Yeah, if you would have told me three, four years ago that the Timberwolves went on the road and beat the number three seed in the West in March, I would have laughed in your face. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> we've been pretty lucky as Timberwolves fans fans lately. Yeah. Uh, to have, you know, one of the better teams that we've had for a long time and it finally looks like we're starting to click on all cylinders, which we were hoping after the go bear trade would happen right away, but uh, better late than never, I guess. Yep. And I said it last week on a podcast,
0: but it makes a big difference when your star player gets hurt, right? Carl Anthony Towns he got hurt in in November and just came back but with that time you were able to have Cat bloom into the all-star that everybody knew he was because he was the number one guy and getting rid of D'Lo he was the number one guy you know like he is and was the number one guy and I think it benefited the the bench because the Timberwolves know what they got in Kyle Anderson. He is a do all, say all type of player that handles the ball and can get you a triple double any night of the week. You got Nas Reed who can score twenty points any night of the week. You got Jalen Noel who's been injured recently, but he can score twenty points in a week. Rudy Gobert, you know he's going to get you 10-plus rebounds a game. Maybe, most likely, two blocks a game and hopefully 10 points a game because he goes to the final line a lot. But you know what you're going to get with him. With Cat being hurt, you let all the role players step up. And I think now that Cat's back, it's so much easier to get into flow compared to the beginning of the season because beginning of the season, everybody thinks they know what they're going to be doing with the team. And now the whole season went on and Cap is the guy that has to mesh with the team. And I think that's a lot better problem to have because it's like, oh, man, you're going into our team rather than, oh, we're all going to make do with what we got with Kat's team. And I mm-hmm. think Kat is a great leader because he takes a step back and is like, okay, well, I know what you guys have. So I'm going to fill in to the best of my ability for the team to win. And he's not like a mellow because I love mellow but he doesn't have that ego where he's going to let that take precedence over
1: winning. Yeah. Uh, well said. Uh, it, yeah. It seems like most, if not all of the players on the team, you know, have bought into Chris Finch's philosophy, whatever it may be, but it seems like it is about the team first and they'll do whatever it takes to win. And, Cat <laughs> over the years, has become a pretty humble team player. Um, Ant, you know, is a pretty humble team player. So when your two best players are like that, then it trickles down to the rest of the team, I think. For sure. I agree. I, I saw uh,
0: John Krasinski, Krasowski, you know that guy? Yeah. He put out an article today with Mike Conley saying, I'm not the best rebounder, but... Chris Finch told me as a team, we need to rebound. And that's what I did. And Mike Conley had that big rebound at the end of the game against the Kings, but that just shows the acquisition or the, yeah, the acquisition that we got for Mike Conley. It was, we're, we're going away from the shoot first point guard in DLO and getting the, the veteran, presence in the locker room and will play the role he needs to <coughs> to keep this team winning and I think that the Timberwolves have something special. I'm I'm not saying a a championship run, but I'm saying the Timberwolves have the potential to make a deep playoff run and make it past the first round since 2004. Please I hope Please so. make
1: it past the first round. But
0: before we wrap this episode up, let's talk about the upcoming final games in the second to last week of the Timberwolves season. The Timberwolves have the Suns on Wednesday, March 29th. And KD comes back. Since his pregame slip on March 8th, he missed 10 games, and in that 10 games, the Suns went 4-6. and six. The Suns are number four in the West, only up one and a half games from the number six Timberwolves. Sam, what do you think about the Suns game coming up?
1: To be honest, I was hoping KD wasn't going to play, because... Playing against KD uh, scares me because he's he's one of the GOATs. So uh, I don't think we've ever matched up well against him or the Suns in general with their current roster. And it being on the road in Phoenix after already winning two tough games on the road, I think this will be our toughest game of the week yet. But, uh well, three you know, games, we beat the Knicks. It's true, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
1: the uh, and the hots, yeah, yeah. Cat had that uh, those two free throws, but um, yeah. I guess we're on a four game win streak, so we're playing the Suns at the right time. You know, we're hot and we're playing team ball, and everyone's getting involved. But I think this will be a really tough game. Uh, it'd be huge if we could win. At, it would really. I think put the league more on notice if they're not already that this Timberwolves team is tough and is not to be taken lightly. But I think it'll be a close game either way. Um, I think the Suns pull it out in the end, though. Yeah, for sure. I
0: agree because, first of all, we the Timberwolves made the Kings shoot the lowest three points in – The whole season and their number three seed so the Timberwolves were able to keep them under 10 three-pointers in that game and I think that's big because it shows that the Timberwolves are a defensive team but the keys to this game in my opinion they need Ant to play all-star-esque ball that he was playing before he got injured which means continuing the all-around play that he's been able to to have. You know, 20-plus points, 5-plus rebounds, 5-plus assists. I've been saying that the whole year, whenever he's able to do that, the Timberwolves have a higher chance in winning because he does everything. They need efficiency from Cap because against the Warriors, he went... Five for 16 uh, from the field. And that is not good. But they were still able to win the game. And if they are able to continue defensive dominance, have efficiency from cap, and have Ant play the type of ball that he's been playing throughout the season, I think that they can come up with that win And I'm going to put in one more thing is the Timberwolves are doing what they need to have this hot streak going. Remember what I said? Cat goes into this as a humble guy and plays plays to the strengths of the team. KD, you know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get 20 plus points. But... Is he going to be able to take a step back and do what Kat's doing? Especially with the with the ego that he has.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, he was able to do that on the Warriors, though. So <laughs> I think if he's paired with the right people, he is willing yeah. to do it. And I think... I think he likes Chris Paul. I think they're pretty good friends. I yeah. think he likes more than Kyrie. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the
0: Timberwolves. We know what we're going to get from them. KD, he is one of the goats, just like you said earlier. So, I'd like to see Jaden him and see how
1: Jaden can do against KD.
0: Yeah, they're they're similar build players. Jaden cannot score as as great as him, but. With what he doesn't do on offense, he makes up for on defense. So I want to see that matchup. Yeah. He was guarding Darren Fox, and man, Darren Fox was is a fast guy. He's one of the fastest in the league. Man, he's like as quick as a fox. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a big game coming up. And to end off the week, they play the Lakers in Minnesota. So that's good. What do you think about? the Timberwolves going up against the Lakers. It's must-win basketball for both teams.
1: Mm -hmm. What do you think about it? We have played the Lakers really well this season, so I like that matchup a lot more. Uh, We did play them, I believe, uh, last time when they didn't have LeBron, so having LeBron back is going to be a big change, and LeBron is LeBron. like He's amazing and makes any team better so i think that should be another close game but i think we're tested at this point we're back at home after a long road trip i think the team will be energized and the crowd will be behind them so i think uh i I feel optimistic about that game on friday yeah i agree if the timberwolves
0: are able to neutralize lebron and ad and have the role players dictate the Lakers have the role players dictate the Warriors, the Lakers success. I think it'll be easier than, than what we think, because let's be honest. The Lakers are what the 10th seed right now. They are a 10th seed because they're a nine seed because they just don't gel well as a team they have all the money in the world. yes, they have D'Lo. they have Anthony Davis they got LeBron but LeBron just came back he played off the bench he played his role and they still got blown up by the Bulls the Patrick Beverly led Bulls so if they're able to keep LeBron and ad in check, you know maybe have LeBron. Go for a Kyle Anderson esque triple double, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then I think I think they're gonna be all all okay because you know what you're gonna get from the Lakers you're gonna get a driving LeBron, an AD post up game. The Timberwolves are built for the playoffs, low key. You know they're built for this type of of game. They play aggressive basketball, and against the Warriors, Jaden McDaniels couldn't play for more than 20 minutes because he had five fouls going into the fourth quarter. So what do you think the Timberwolves can do against the Lakers to really
1: minimize LeBron? LeBron. I think have Jaden guard him to start. Have Jaden McDaniels guard him. And uh, maybe double him as he starts because most of LeBron's game now is driving. He shoots see occasional you know, dribble up three or off off the dribble three, but I think his game is largely you know driving to the, the hole and dishing or finishing at the rim. Yeah. Be dub- doubling up high before he can get ahead of steam going and making him pass it and, you know, make anyone else on the weekend beat you besides LeBron, even AB, who yeah. might end up being injured by the time the game starts. So <laughs> he's. Uh, they play the balls again. So you never know with Patrick Beverly. He might slip on a banana peel and, you know, tear his Achilles and be out for a season and a half. So you never <laughs> know with AB. But I would say get the ball out of LeBron's hands and make anyone else beat you. Yeah.
0: Austin Reeves is their, their new guy, you know, their new all-star. So we'll just see how it goes as Timberwolves fans. Janie knows she, she was watching the Kings game with me. And I was like, man, it's always close. And for some reason I, I see the Suns game, the Lakers game, even the Spurs game when we, when the Timberwolves play them, it's gonna be close. It's gonna be one
1: possession at the end of the game. We'll just have to see how it goes. So and now this Pelicans game at the end of the season is looking like a really important game. Now that the Pelicans have won five in a row and they're currently beating the Warriors at halftime by seventeen. So, wow. Yeah, it's. Hey, I hope they beat the Warriors because
0: you know we need more space. I'm hoping <laughs> the Bulls can just get into the playoffs without a playing game. Well, if the Pelicans win, we'll have the same record, so. Yeah.
1: Yep. And we have a tiebreaker. That's true, but they, they could take it back because we played them at the last game of the season. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. no no rest for the weary. Yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it should so, be a fun week and a half, that's for sure. <laughs> let,
0: let's get on to the end of the podcast We can talk all day about the Timberwolves or the Vikings or the Twins. But first of all, I just want to say thank you, Sam. I know it's getting late over there. It's 1130 or nine. Yeah, almost 11. And thank you for your time. I know it's late. You got work in the morning. Thank you for joining.
1: Thanks for having me, Wright. Always fun talking basketball with you. So glad we can have some positive things to say about the Timberwolves. Hey, it's good to have positive
0: things rather than, you know, moping around about (laughs) no playoff basketball. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Thank you to the listeners. Thank you for having us be a part of your day. Have a great day. Drive safe. All these drivers out there, stay safe out there. And in the next episode, we're going to have Bales talking about the red hot number one, Minnesota Wild that is the only team that has the success that any of the teams have had in the past, you know, 20 years. So, please join us for that. But without further ado, thank you. Have a great day. Peace.